Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. My name is Trey Scott, National Editor for 24-7 Sports, and I will be joined every Monday and Thursday throughout March Madness by 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst, Jerry Meyer. Though, Jerry, I think a better title for you is college basketball's all-time assist leader, right? (laughs) You know, uh, that would be true. 1,314 dimes. Before we get into our topics today... You did some research. uh, I did a lot of research. (laughs) I I have trouble remembering that number. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into all of this, and I'm excited about this show, I want to remind everyone out there that you can subscribe to the uh, 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy what we're doing, we ask that you please leave us a five-star rating in Apple Podcast. Let's get started. Jerry, when they told me a few weeks ago we were going to start a college basketball podcast, I was like, okay, I need to watch games other than Texas and my adopted <laughs> Duke Blue Devils. But I think we'll start, of course, with Duke. Now, there are a few, jumping, yeah, a few jumping off points I want to get to. Two more regular season games left to see Zion Williamson. Duke plays Tuesday versus Wake Forest, Saturday at North Carolina. If, Duke's, er, if Zion's not back by Tuesday, Saturday versus the Tar Heels makes sense. A dramatic comeback from that left knee sprain. Jerry, once Zion returns, we have a reader question from LarryK718 on Twitter. Once Zion returns, is Duke at full strength a better version of the team that lost to Gonzaga in November? Do you see Duke ready to make a Final Four run? Uh, sure. Duke's better, but so is Gonzaga. And you know, but most of the teams, if they're going to make any noise, are better right now. And uh, but yeah, Duke's better. Part of an injury, like you lose a great player like Zion, other guys have to step up. <clears throat> so you know, finally Jack White hit some threes. Finally, he, he was struggling. He went to 0 for February. Uh, so that was good to see Alex O'Connell. You know, they're hoping to get some quality minutes from him. Marquise Bolden, I think, is huge for Duke. And, you know, Duke can be a good team without Zion, but it's hard to see him winning it. Zion brings so much toughness. Uh, he brings a special energy that the whole team feeds off of, but he, he gives them an interior presence. I was a little surprised when Zion went out against Carolina to see Duke kind of went spaz a little bit. Like, they, they have so many yeah. good players, and they, it looked like they didn't know what they were doing. That's pretty natural, though, right? You, you uh, yeah, build, something like that. Around Zion. Yeah, because they weren't ready for that, you know. It's more understandable to not look good and to lose in the game where the player gets injured because you, you haven't prepared to play without him. So then Duke started to look a little better. You know, Syracuse, I believe, was the next game. Right. They played pretty well. Um, it was an intense game. It's a rivalry game. There was so much energy. And even though Duke was at home, but it just it, they were frenetic because uh, it's a chaotic, frenetic situation. You lose Zion. And we saw how much he means to the team. They, they can win without him, but, uh, you know, they're, they're not elite without him. You get the feeling that if we see Duke cutting down the nets this year, we might look back and say, okay, maybe that Zion injury was a blessing in disguise uh, with, because it allowed, yeah. you know, Cam Reddish to start to find his game. He's shooting mm-hmm. 50% from three last two. R.J. Barrett struggled a bit, but, you know, it's given him the chance to kind of be the on-ball yeah. scorer. Yeah, but, you know, he was doing that with Zion, but I agree with you. You know, we could – Pick, uh, you know, pick apart some minutia maybe. But gen- if Duke does cut down the nets or if they make a Final Four run, uh, I will guarantee you we will be looking back at this injury and looking at it as a blessing in disguise type thing for all the reasons you, know, you just mentioned. Duke's fatal flaw, obviously, three-point shooting, number 326 in the country. Uh, correct. <laughs> uh, they don't shoot the ball that well. If you yeah. Could, yeah, if you could give Duke any – 
player from Coach K's team since their last national championship, I would argue it would be Luke Kennard. Like you might say okay. Jason Tatum, Marvin Jack, JJ Redick. JJ, well, yeah, but since, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if we had to do that filter, that But why Kennard? Well, I mean, I mean the, he's a great player. It, but. I'm talking about since that team that, you know, won the title with Ja Okafor oh, and Justin okay, Swanslow and Tyus Jones. Any yeah. players since, you know, you have Jason Tatum, you have, you know, Bagley, yeah. Frank they, Jackson. They could, they could really They use just Kennard. need a shooter. Yeah, and Kennard had game. Are you surprised at this? All around great. Why player. is this team not? Is it just about making shots? Do you see something in sort well, of the just, construct of the I offense? I mean, Cam Reddish is a good shooter in the terms of he's 6'8, he can get his shot off. It's a good looking shot, but, you know, the percentage isn't that great. And that's just the type of shooter he is. That you're not going to not recruit Cam Reddish because, you know, that's a, you know, he's a shooter. I think sometimes uh, it happens with a lot of players. I think Cam has been overhyped a little bit as a shooter, if that makes sense. Um, good shooter. Um, then you got R.J. Barrett. He's never known as a shooter. Zion never known as a shooter. Um, Alex O'Connell, just a little green. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some confidence because <clears throat> he, sh- he is a shooter. Jack White, come to find out, must not be that good a shooter. Right. <laughs> he don't oh, go O for a month. And he's just been passing up so many shots. I thought early in the year, Jack played so well. And he's still, you know, rebounding and doing a lot of the dirty stuff. He's a glue player. <clears throat> he defends very well. So he, limited uh, in a way. And that, you know, Luke May tore up Duke without Zion. Right. That If we look at a matchup, man, that killed Duke because Zion was going to guard Luke May. And Luke May had his way in, at times with Jack White. Um, early in the year, I thought Jack was more of a stretch-the-court type four-man. Maybe he's not. You know, so I felt a little better about Duke that way. I mean, the thing about Duke, you, you got four really good players. Like, really good players. For, mm-hmm. You know, three in the top five of the draft. And then another first-rounder, and then it's a big drop-off. But so, it's you know, true. that's why Bolden's got to step up big, and they got to stay out of foul trouble. And, of course, be healthy. Am I being ignorant and saying, Jerry, that that's kind of nuts to think that, oh, well, they only have, you know, three top five picks and one extra lottery pick, and that's – and then there's drop-off as if that's like an excuse for Duke not being equipped to, even to win no, without I Zion. No, I, I hear you there. It's an interesting thought. You can circle around it and look at it different ways. Um, yeah, one, it sounds foolish. Oh, poor Duke. <laughs> right. You know, you got four – you got three lotteries, like top end of the lottery – and another first rounder, but the thing about basketball, if that one week link, he yeah. can be exposed. So you know, a, a team can come in with a game plan to expose that player uh, defensively and or offensively. So you see how you can look at it two ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, Duke, they have four unbelievable players, but they have one real question mark that fifth position, and then really not much depth. It's an issue. Is the lack of depth the product of when you put all of your eggs in the one-and-done basket? Is no, that – I don't think it's so. It's just the way this roster is? They didn't get enough one-and-done. Uh-huh. <laughs> Guys, is how I'd look at it. You know, Kentucky's got depth uh, this year. That's true. Um, no, I mean, you, could, you know, you can you recruit so many players. Duke's replacing their one-and-dones. They, they replaced them with, it looks like, four. Uh, this year um, – the problem is they recruited guys that aren't 
maybe good enough, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Don't want to be rude here, but, you know, when Duke signed Jack White, a lot of people are like, who's this guy? Um, especially Alex O'Connell, a little surprising. Um, and then some of the other guys on the bench, uh, you're kind of wondering, you know, wow, this guy just doesn't seem Duke caliber. You follow me? And now they got to play. So maybe that's the problem. Uh, the, if we're going to look at recruiting. And again, Marquise Bolden, I just come back to him. He's a McDonald's All American, he's a five star. Perhaps we overrated him. Uh, that's a very legitimate point, but he's got to have some fire. He's got to play like he loves basketball. A lot of times I watch him play, he's just kind of out there. He, he really needs to step up for Duke. So you got Marquise Bolden as, as the Duke player kind of on the clock. Yeah, I mean, it would just – someone's got to do it. And you can play small, and we're assuming Zion's in the lineup. Right. You can play small, and Duke can be fine. Because Zion's a beast in there, and then, you know, Cameron and RJ got <clears> – excuse me, have size. But it would really be big for Duke if they could play with Bolden out there with their other four studs. And if he – you know, if he protects the rim, takes a little pressure off Zion – to do so much defensively, you know, just gives him flexibility with matchups. I, I do think he's a big X factor. CBS Sports' Jerry Palm still has Duke as one seed, along with Gonzaga, Virginia, and Tennessee. The Vols mm-hmm. had an awesome Saturday. They blasted Kentucky. We watched that together, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Jordan Bone scored 27. Grant Williams scored 24. It's a nice luxury when Admiral Schofield is your third best player. A few things. Jordan Bone. Watched him here in Nashville, Innsworth product. Mm-hmm. A top 200 player in the composite Part of a loaded 2016 point guard class. Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, that, that was a great point yeah. guard class. Are you surprised that Jordan Bone is this good? Um, well, yes. Well, let's phrase it this way. I think Jordan is a first-round pick, in my opinion. I think he's that talented. I think you know he's a guy that you can throw out there, and no one's going to stop Russell Westbrook, let's say. But he's got the athleticism, the size the physicality to hang with a guy like that. You know, he has a physical edge to him that you compare him, say, to Darius Garland Mm -hmm. uh, coming out of Vanderbilt. Uh, Trey Jones, man, I I like the sort of physical pop and uh, athleticism that Bone has. So I really am high on him. So I did not expect him to be a first-round pick. Now, I looked at the mocks. I couldn't find him anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm off on that, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they're not drafting off the mock uh, drafts. You know, GMs and presidents and scouts are making the decision. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's a first-round talent. I didn't expect that. I did expect him to be a very good player. Uh, but I didn't expect him to become – He's really become a point guard this year. You know, his assist turnover ratio is really good. Well, he's become a team leader, a distributor. He's found a balance between trying to score and get the ball to other people or create scoring opportunities. When he came to Tennessee, he was athletic, he was talented. But he's not. He wasn't the guy you're going to give the keys to the car, right? You know, you, took there, some time. There, it took some time, and I think this year was when he really became a high-level point guard. Um, and I think that's going to be huge for Tennessee. If, if we just segue into their yeah. the team, they, they need to st- – one, Grant Williams in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. That, that always worries me when I watch them. 
Uh, you re- they really need him on the court. And then Bone and Lamont Turner, decision-making. You know, you can't end a game like LSU game where Turner fires up the shot. Bone has been known to make bonehead plays every <laughs> once in a while, you know, especially earlier in his career. So if they're solid at point guard, stay out of foul trouble. Of course, you know, Bowden's got to hit some shots. All the guards, you know, that's just basketball. Right. You can say that for every team. But, yeah, I like Tennessee as a uh, number one seed. Who were those teams again? Well, Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia. Virginia. And, and I want to get to this in a second. But, but yeah, well, I'm just saying, you know, that's, I'm on the same page with Jerry Palm. Yeah. Duke or <laughs> Tennessee fans are all were freaking out this week. You know, they had – they they lost. They had lost uh, to LSU, and you know they had oh, barely sweep by Ole Miss. Freaking out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, now it's Kentucky oh fans' turn. Are you are you are you worried <sighs> after Kentucky's game in, in the first no. half in which they almost had more turnovers than field goals? No, you, no, they have to get back on track Tuesday versus Ole Miss. You're not worried about them? Not at all. You're going to have bad games. Fans so overreact, and um. It's a long season. You're going to have, you know, let's go to Tennessee. Yeah. They had a, such a bad slump. Well, they lost by two in overtime on shoddy officiating to LSU, who I think is a second-tier contender, personally. Right. Um, and then they lost to Kentucky. They got spanked. Well, home court, you know, they're both two great teams. You're going to have bad nights, bad games. You know, you have – it doesn't mean – as a coach, you – Oh man, you address these issues and you address them like it's life or death. <laughs> you know, like you, you want a sense of desperation. Mm-hmm. Time is of the essence. We need to be meticulous and focused, pay attention to detail, all that stuff. A loss can wake you up and it can help a coach get the message across. Um, I think Kentucky's very good. You know, personally, I would probably have Kentucky a first seed. I thought about it a little bit. No, I, th- I think you go with Virginia. Mm-hmm. I, I just. I just think Virginia's too slow. Too I just, slow. I can't get behind a team with a backcourt that doesn't have more quickness. And so, like, in my opinion, that's why they got spanked in the first round yeah. last year. They they couldn't guard those quick guards. So, so by virtue of you know the resume, Virginia will have a one. Right, but, but I don't, don't see them. You don't. I, I don't. I just. I just don't think they're quick enough. So on. on so Virginia, you're probably not going to pick them in your final four, and, and probably well, not. Yeah. But you got to well, look, look at, at the brackets. brackets. <laughs> you got to look at the brackets. And I looked at a lot of stats over the weekend. And Virginia's are unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, they're like number one in you know assist turnover ratio, of course, scoring defense, uh, get to the free throw line, you know, rebound. Uh, all the metrics, or at least most of them, are there. But just as a basketball guy, you know, and I. I am so big on perimeter quickness, and that really scares me with Virginia. Well, I mean, and they don't give you a whole lot of interior scoring either. And, and I, if I may digress just a little bit on the Virginia thing, because I love Tony Bennett, great guy, great coach, not in love with their style. And here's my main problem with their style. They kind of just run that offense and not really looking to score right away. They get down on the shot clock a lot, and I just do not like that. You know, it's just my personal thing as a basketball person. I, I think you're, you're guarding yourself. You're really helping the defense out, and who's that guy that's going to penetrate and create for them? They end up taking, I think, ironically, 
they, against a very good defensive team, mind you. And I know Virginia's killing it, but I just worry when it comes down to it, March Madness, this other team has quickness. They're getting after You know, everyone plays on that special edge, and they're going to defend harder. I'm, I'm afraid Virginia ends up taking some tough shots, you know, because they, they guard themselves because they get up against the shot clock. Is that why it seems different for Virginia when you co- compare the regular seasons of March Madness is because the opposition's maybe running out to the three-point line faster and uh, defend, could be. a little extra edge? Like, oh, why, why do we watch Virginia rattle off this 26-2 and two season? And we all kind of know it's not going to work. In the <laughs> we have dance. that feeling because we're just going with past history. Right. But, like, and, what, and what is it about I, that scheme? I... Well, what I said, I, I think we're circling around it. I, the competition goes up, although they lost to a 16 seed. <laughs> but the intensity, uh, the you know, I, I think, you know, and Virginia's had some tough beats too, and they choked away a couple games here, you know, in the last few years, which, you know, maybe not the system, the style, but, you know, I just like it. I think when you pass up shot opportunities or are not looking to get shot opportunities right away in the shot clock, it can really end up hurting you. I would argue that has been a factor. And then Virginia typically isn't the quickest team on the court. And to me, March Madness, and I don't know if I can quantify this, but I, I really, it's in my gut pretty strong. Quick guards who can create scoring opportunities are huge. I don't think you win the big, tough games on your X and O's. They're going to be able to guard you, your offense. And see, Virginia tries to manufacture their points more so off X and O's than other teams. Man, I want that guy who can get the ball. You know, he's, he's wheeling and dealing. He's got wiggle. He's quick. He gets in the lane. Shot, kicks it out, helps get his big men easy baskets, you know, getting threes but inside out type stuff. And I'm wondering if that's been an issue for Virginia. Uh, Virginia is Ken Palm's number one team. His number two team is Gonzaga. Gonzaga has not lost since December 15th to North Carolina. They also lost to Tennessee. But, Jerry, they've got – I mean, they beat Duke and maybe the game of the mm-hmm. year. You love them. Well, I do. And I, I mean, I've always had great respect for Gonzaga – and their program, I mean, even before Mark Few, uh, Munson built it up. I mean, they've had a great run. You know, of course, they play in the conference they play in. Do we need to even talk about that? No. No, I think that's hurt them at times because uh, they weren't used to the physical play and the level of athleticism. I think there's years that maybe you could have pointed to that. Mm. But, you know, they could have won the national championship the other year. They were right there, you know. Yeah, that's what fans have to remember, too. If, 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 and I digress, but I'm going to get right back to Gonzaga. Back to the Tennessee LSU, because we're here in Tennessee, yeah, yeah. and I go, oh, the Tennessee fans are melting down, and Rick Barnes every year. You know, I mean, they're, just, they're finding stuff from Texas to complain about sure. back in his days there. It's like quit overreacting. You lost by a shot, two free throws on a foul. You lost by two points. All the points in a basketball game, all the possessions – and what if Tennessee won that game by two? All the Tennessee fans are like, oh, we're still awesome. Well, if we looked at the film, it's still the same team. You know, a break here, a break there, so you can't overreact. But back uh, to Gonzaga, it's tough to find a weakness. Uh, they have experience. They have depth. They, I mean, tremendous athletes. 
at the forward position, and I really like their guards and they're experienced. I mean, I it's like Gonzaga has it all. The, all the metrics they come out yeah, good. So off. yeah, I mean, I'm I kind of am leaning towards okay. Gonzaga. You got to look at the brackets, but yeah. I I love this Gonzaga team, and they and they're an athletic, physical Gonzaga team. They're not you know, um, like the West Coast Conference and yeah. that the name of it. Yeah, they're they don't match that resume for that league. Not not to knock the league, but, yeah, it's not a Power 5 league. No. For purposes of, you know, geography and time zone, I think a lot of people are going to sleep on Gonzaga. And I, but, I, you know, I wonder if the fact that they, you know, made the national title game in two, two years ago is going to be like, yeah. okay, you know, I know that Gonzaga can get there now. Whereas, you know, Virginia, I think – Well, they've taken a step uh, up. Right. I mean, look at how good they are. This is not the Gonzaga. Oh, look at the bracket buster Gonzaga. Yeah. No, this is number one in the country, Gonzaga. Look at their players. They're, they're going to have two Is Rui Hachimura a lottery pick? Yes, I think so. And Brandon Clark is a beast. I mean, this guy's blocking like 3.6 shots a game, I believe. I, I think it was blocks. It's either that or steals. But his numbers are, are – both those guys are tremendous. And they are tremendous athletes. They are lottery caliber type NBA players. Well, that's what wins. You know, I don't care what conference you play in. I don't care who you've played all year. And the fact is, they've played great teams. They've, yeah. They're battle-tested. So I think Gonzaga is set up this year. We'll see what happens. We've got a quick break to hear from a few of our partners, and then I've got a few questions I want and a few things I want to throw at you. Jerry, uh, sit tight. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. Well, the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. We are back to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Again, this is Trey Scott. I'm joined by Jerry Meyer. Jerry, we've got a few reader questions. I want to encourage everyone to, to hit the Twitter streets and, and at Jerry Meyer 247 Let us know what you want us to answer on the question. Jerry, a few ones I'm excited to hear you answer since you're such a basketball junkie. Uh, at Treveca AD has a few thoughts on potential D- D1 rule changes. Mm-hmm. Real quick, we're going to rip through these. Would widening the lane from 12 feet to 16 feet have any benefit in your opinion? Uh, I like the idea. Okay. Space it out some. You know, you know, I don't know how important that is because the game, they're all, post players are already getting pushed out. You, you don't see that old school fight to get like right under the bat. Now, some teams do. Michigan State really looks to pound it inside uh, Tennessee. But I, I would have no problem. I, I would have no problem just going to international rules. I, that's what I think we should do. Uh, reset the shot clock after an offensive rebound to 20 seconds. I got no problem with it. Okay. I, I wish we just had a 24-second shot clock. Just Again, get back to international rules. But, yeah, I think that would be a positive. And then uh, the last one here, uh, instead of two 20-minute halves, four 10-minute quarters. Yeah. Well, I kind of have a question on that. Is the logic there that you're going to reset the fouls each quarter? 
I guess so. Yeah, which I don't have a problem with because I don't really watch basketball to watch free throws. Well, <laughs> that gets me into the officiating now. I think I think the NCAA made a mistake a little while ago when they emphasized we we need scorings down scoring oh, screw score I don't care about scoring mm-hmm. I want action I want flow if the ball goes in it goes in if it doesn't it doesn't the last thing I want is the team to get a defensive rebound and the ref calls a little touch foul so there's no fast break we're not running down the other end um, yeah. so anyway so I'm down with the quarter system if it cut you know if it cuts down on free throws. Oh, I mean speaking of free throws and fouls, I think the best change could be instead of five fouls and you're out, I like to see six in the NCAA. I would be for six. I think that'd be a I don't foul. again, we don't we don't watch the game to watch Grant Williams or Zion yeah. sit on the bench because he's got two fouls. You know, he sits on the bench the whole first half. Uh, I, I think six would I'm I'm all for six. I know there's a lot of, you know, basketball people that you know, have good thoughts and know the game who are against that, but I can't. Say I, I'm, I'm a tradi- I, I don't know how much of a traditionalist I am. I mean, I watched my dad as a coach <clears throat> adapt to the three-point line, the shot clock. He didn't sit around crying because he was like a Dean Smith four corners type guy. I mean, his games were in the 50s. Boom, like that in the hundreds. Right. And so I guess just my upbringing and seeing how – you know, because everyone thought my dad was old school, and he was old school in a way, but he was also crazy innovator. I got no problem with changing the rules to make the game better. Don Meyer, of course, a college basketball legend, and Jerry played for him at Lipscomb, and it brings us to a question from at Johnny Carr 13. Jerry, what's the biggest difference in the game today compared to when you played? What did teams, quote unquote, back in the day, do better than the teams <laughs> we watch now? Make a mid range jumper? Uh, no. See, I think that's a myth, and one day I want to. I want to have a section on basketball myths that I want, <laughs> I want to debunk. Guys today are way more skilled. They shoot mid-range better. They shoot step-back threes. We didn't even shoot step-back threes back in the day. Um, they dribble better. Passing, yeah, I don't know, because the game's more of a dribble-oriented game now. So the difference is uh, – what did they do better back in the day? Feed the post, for sure, because there's an emphasis on getting the ball inside. Today's game is way more spread out because, guys, you're putting more skilled players on the court. You know, the four-man, we don't really have power forwards today. You know, I remember, like, at Kentucky with Tubby Smith, they would run a double low-post offense. When I was in junior high, we ran a double low-post, you know, two guys inside. You never see that anymore. It's always one guy, four guys spreading the court, Today, there's less screening off the ball and movement. You know, we had Rick Majerus, Bobby Knight, you know, and others, but those are two big names who made motion offense. Virginia kind of does an old-school offense. That's why I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the game's kind of changing. Um, so there's more spacing. Instead of movement, it's about spacing and guys are more spotted up, and you're counting on dribble penetration. Obviously, a lot of ball screening. Back in the day, we didn't ball screen as much. So the game's changed that way. Um, you know, I don't – I'm not one of those, you know, back in the day, we did it better. We were uh, – the guys today are way better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not playing now. <laughs> I, I, could, I wouldn't be able to guard these guys. Uh, Jerry, Water Street 1, and you do the research on this, asks, how many top 10, top 50, and top 100 recruits stay home and is, quote-unquote, shutting down the border, which is a hot topic these days, a viable recruiting model in 2019? Yeah, I appreciated that question because it 
made me do some research. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to know this, the answer to this. So I, I looked at um, the 2019 class, <clears throat> the guys who are committed now, and then the 2018 class. You know, I, I, so I did two years, and 28% <laughs> out of the top 50s, like 14 guys who stayed in state. And I was yeah. a little liberal with that. Um, you know, not that they just had to be in that city. Um, I don't. I think you want to close your borders. You want to protect your home turf in recruiting, no doubt. But you're not going to win big if that's all you do. I mean, you got to recruit nationally. So sure, you you don't want to lose a guy you want, but you don't just who's in your hometown or nearby region. But you don't want to just recruit guys in those regions just because they're in your region. What are some? Other- you got to get you got to get talent, you know. And and today's kids. With all the AAU travel, they're all over the place. With with the internet, social media, the way we're so interconnected, you know, more more often guys are willing to go anywhere. I was kind of surprised it was twenty eight percent out of the top fifty. I I actually thought it'd be a lower number. So. You, if you're a college basketball coach, Jerry, and you can just you know maybe you're you're located in I don't know Kansas. You're in the middle of the uh-huh. country. You can recruit any state, any region. Where do you hit in first? Well, for sure, Texas, <clears throat> for Kansas. I think as a state, Texas, I would, you know, again, I haven't crunched all the numbers, but I've been doing this for 15-plus years. I would go Texas, I mean, with Dallas, Houston, hmm. just those two areas, um, unbelievable talent. Atlanta is great. Chicago down. Um, New York's not what it used to be because you know the kids leave usually and um you know for instance uh cole anthony you know new york kid he's playing at oak hill the the idea is kind of get him out of the city and remove distractions the baltimore dc area is very strong and um seattle has been good of course california la there's tons of town in la and then i think we mentioned this when we were watching the ball game uh, minneapolis st paul seems like a ton of players are coming out of there now yeah for sure jerry someone asked you about a new tennessee commit Corey walker five-star uh pledge number 31 player in the 24 7 sports Mm -hmm. composite committed to rick barnes's club on sunday it's a uh you know rick barnes seems to do less with more and then now he gets a five-star what do you like about Corey walker um, versatility, athleticism. He's just a really good basketball player. <clears throat> but he's this kind of hybrid, modern-age player who can offensively, you can put him pretty much anywhere, and then he can defend. That, that's key, uh, defensive versatility. A player who can guard multiple positions, huge, because with the ball screening that goes on in today's game, or just any screening, when you have players out there who can guard different types players type of players that's huge really helps the coach out so he's just very good and probably you know i would fully expect him to be an nba player a good friend of mine used to work with him for a long time justin young who uh writes for hoop scene or runs it he compared Corey to tobias harris which i'm sure tennessee fans remember i think that's a very good comparison i mean we'll see if he gets as good as tobias tobias you know it's like a he might have been ranked five in the country and obviously a very good NBA player. Um, Brandon Clark, uh, the Gonzaga guy, kind of came to my mind. But, you know, just any – just think six six, six seven, athletic, can do a lot of everything offensively and defensively. And I'm a guy you'd love to have on your team. 
Uh, Jerry got one, uh, and this kind of brings us uh, back to college basketball in a little bit. Not not the bubble, but you know maybe an interesting look at the NCAA tournament at least. Chris Slaughter at Slot Piece, nice nice one. Uh, Jerry, can Indiana basketball become all caps consistently relevant again? This was supposed to be a big year for Archie Miller. They had mm-hmm. Romeo Langford, mm-hmm. who's maybe been a little bit of a disappointment, but yeah. the Hoosiers did just beat Michigan State. They're on the. Well, they have you got to gotta explain what relevant means. Yes, Indiana has not been as good as Indiana expects and wants. Totally get it. Um, this year has been a disappointment. I do think, and I, you know, revisionist history. You could argue right here, but I, I'm going to vouch for this. I I thought Romeo Langford. The expectations for him are way too high. Um. So I don't, you know, he's probably been pretty good this year, but people just expected him to be a savior, and he That's he tough. was not that player. Number one, he's not a point guard, and he kind of has a, you know, point being point guard has the ball, so you can do the point guard can change everything. You know, you get the right guy like Ashton Hagens. One reason Kentucky's so much better is the play they've gotten from Ashton Hagens, and he's continued to improve throughout the year. And Romeo just always kind of, to me, had sort of a passive game. I mean, he makes stuff happen. He does stuff. He's not really a creator for other people. So, you know, it's tough for a guy like that to just change everything, especially as a freshman. But I, I see no reason why Indiana can't get really good again. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's tough to be great every year. And you have ups and downs. And, and Purdue is really – you know, that program has been great here lately. That has not helped Indiana in terms of recruiting, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, don't, uh, this is another one. Calm down, fan. Oh, <laughs> Calm down. I know you're, you're not happy, and you have reason to be not happy. But let's don't act like doomsday. It's the end of the world, and Indiana's going to suck forever. Indiana is going to have to make a little mini run in the Big Ten tourney to uh, have a chance to, to make the NCAA tournament, but they do have an interesting resume. Jerry, stick in the Big Ten. I'm glad you brought up some point guards because I think Michigan State and Michigan are two of the more interesting teams in the country. They will play again on Saturday. They're in a, a, a three-team Big Ten race that also includes Purdue. So a week, a week ago, you know, Michigan fans are probably freaking out. As you <laughs> and Michigan it State happens fans, every year. Yeah, and Michigan State fans are feeling good, and then Michigan State loses for the second time to Indiana. Oh. And, but you don't like you don't you don't love the Spartans as a as a as a threat. Um, Final well, they're threat. they're a threat. I mean, they, they I wouldn't put them in that top tier okay. of teams. Is how I'd phrase it. To me, they're they're a second tier team. I like Michigan in that second Do you tier. Like Michigan more maybe than Michigan State. Not necessarily. I mean, I think it's – who knows, right? I mean, I think, I think they're very even, different styles of play. You know, Michigan State kind of has an old school four out, one in, trying to feed that post. Uh, Michigan, a little different type offense. They're not just trying to, you know, jam it inside to their big guy. I, I worry about Michigan's athleticism inside. Uh, Michigan State, do they have – can they make the plays on the wing? Um, you know, like if, if you guard Cassius and then you're – you need a buck, you know. You need a perimeter bucket. I keep coming back to this because I think it happens. The shot clock's winding down. They're Ding you up, and you got to have players who can make a play. They don't necessarily have to shoot, but they have to get by their guy and create an advantage numbers wise, and then shoot or, or kick. But both teams are very good. I just don't put them in that upper one. Yeah. You know, I like LSU. 
in that, I do too. that second level. I, I, in my research, I liked what I read, and I remember watching them early in the year. Buffalo, just to throw some sleeper yeah, teams well, here. Arizona last year. I think Houston's dangerous. I like what they do, and obviously they were really good last year, had that tough loss on the last second shot Michigan, right? Yeah. Uh, Calvin Sampson knows what he's doing, and, man, they're out-rebounding teams. They, you know, they are good. And I think Kansas State's dangerous. I'm, I'm not saying to win it, but they're they're a good team. You know, you got Texas Tech, Florida State is. I don't believe in them to go that far, but you know their length and athletic. You know, they, they're a team that presents some problems. A lot of it, you know, matchups are important. And I got to go back to one thing. A big thing on the Tennessee Kentucky game is Reed Travis didn't play, and I think Kentucky fans need to remember that. Um. He Reed brings that physical. It'd be like if Tennessee lost Grant Williams. Okay. Not not quite the same. I mean, I know Grant puts up better numbers, but as far as interior presence, being physical, being tough, you know, he's a man. You know, like it's like Duke losing Zion. Yeah, you lose his points, you lose the fancy dunks and or powerful dunks and all that. But it's it's that interior presence that when you lose that, it makes it tougher on everyone. And so Kentucky fans, just remember he didn't play. Jerry, I'm going to close this out with uh, one last question that I've come up with. So you're a basketball purist. You played at, you know, college basketball. Jerry, if you could steal one person's move, would it be uh, <laughs> Captain Hook, Xavier Simpson's running hook, or Grant Williams, that incredible explosive spin move? Oh, I'm choosing between those? Yeah. Well, I had the hook shot. You had the <laughs> <laughs> How hard um, is that? Well, I mean, he, easy, makes look, he, he makes it look easy. Oh, you, you practice it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, give me 10,000 hours doing anything, I'll probably get pretty good at it. You know, it's called work. Right. And like, you know, any guard out here could shoot it. It's called practice, you know. So, obviously, he's practiced that. I like that. I like the spin move. Um, what I like the question, though, but I want to open What move? Maybe think about it and um, – uh, I mean, no, I, st- yeah, step back jumper. Yeah, we didn't even that wasn't even in our like that was a two outside the box <laughs> back yeah. when I was playing in the eighties and nineties. Like we didn't even think about that, and I think that really came in with a three point line because you know you're getting back behind the three point line. I'm, I remember in my college career messing around, so I didn't have the legs for it. But anyway, step back jumper, and then I like some of that James Harden officiating to help me yeah some of those moves travel. he does <laughs> some some big the double game. the double hop back the double <laughs> some big games on tap and we will be back thursday virginia at syracuse monday night texas at texas tech monday night kansas state at tcu monday night and then we'll see probably not but we'll see if zion returns tuesday against wake forest kentucky could get back on track at Ole miss on tuesday the rebels need that win for the NCAA tournament unc at boston college kansas at ou Marquette at Seton Hall Wednesday. Marquette is the sleeper in civil A tournament threat. And then LSU at Florida on Wednesday. We will be, you know, recapping all of this action on Thursday's podcast. Jerry and I both like LSU a lot. And then Florida needs that for its in civil A tournament hopes. Just a reminder, you can, uh, you can find the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show wherever you get your podcast. Jerry, thanks so much for, for being here. And we'll see you guys on Thursday.